Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, folks. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench. We have a packed show over the next hour. Plenty to come from Semper Stadium, where it is another disappointing defeat for Cork. Beaten today by Clare. Two defeats now from two for Cork in the Munster Senior Hurling Championship. It might have been just two points in the scoreboard, but it was a lot more comfortable than that for Clare. We'll be discussing that game. We'll be hearing from the Cork and Clare accounts. We'll be hearing from Kieran Kingston and the Clare manager, Brian Lowen. We'll also talk to Cork legend Tomás Mulcahy and journalist Dennis Hurley about today's defeat for Cork and where the Rebels go next. What a night it was for Katie Taylor last night. Incredible stuff. We go live to the Big Apple later. We'll be joining Gavin Casey of the 42.e and we'll hear from our pal John Reardon as well. You're listening to the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. I still haven't recovered from that Katie Taylor fight last night. Uh, up at 3am to watch it. It was sensational. It was one of the best fights I've ever seen. It was one of the best performances I've ever seen. Um, I was on my feet trying not to scream so I wouldn't make up the whole house but it was one of the most incredible sporting moments I have ever seen and Katie Taylor is an absolute phenomenon she is incredible that performance last night considering what happened to her in the fifth round oh my word it was incredible it was just absolutely incredible and I'm looking forward to chatting to uh, to Gavin Casey about it in a bit Uh, Colin was chatting to John Reardon of the Irish Examiner about it as well so we've plenty to come on Taylor v Serrano and the potential rematch in Croke Park in September but is it a little bit too soon is September a little bit too soon we'll find out a little bit later on loads to cover on the show tonight um, so we don't have much time for chit chat Uh, straight to the full time report from Semple Stadium from Stephen Gleeson Clare made it two wins from two in the Munster Hurling Championship, beating Cork 28 points to 2.20 at FBD Semple Stadium this afternoon. Cork had late chances in this game, but Clare had the work done right across the afternoon, and it was enough to see them ahead on the scoreboard by two points at the end. At halftime, Clare led 17 points to 11 after making the runnings all the way through the midway point of the first half, with Tony Kelly and Peter Duggan in particular on fire, Shane O'Donnell firing over an excellent point from out near the 65. Cork got back into the game coming up towards halftime with Patrick Horgan scoring and Shane Kingston as well but at halftime that six point lead for Clare was enough to have them doing all the running in this match. On the restart David Fitzgerald pointed for Clare and Cork were forced to start going for goals. Alan Connolly got one 12 minutes in and then Clare lost Ian Galvin to a red card at that stage of the match. Cork tried everything they could but Clare who had a mountain to climb with 14 men did so with ease as they saw the match out with some good scores from Tony Kelly and Ryan Taylor going down the home straight Cork got a second goal Dara Fitzgibbon with a late one to just leave the game in the balance going down near the end Mark Keane saw red for Cork at that stage but it was Clare who drove on in this match and saw true they'll take on Limerick in two weeks time in Innes they're the winners here this afternoon in Turles they beat Cork 28 points for Clare 2.20 for Cork. Disappointment for Cork today in Semple Stadium. This is the reaction of Kieran Kingston speaking to Stephen after today's defeat. Joining me now is the Cork manager, Kieran Kingston. Your thoughts after that, Kieran? And sure. yeah, obviously, hugely disappointed. Um, uh, funny kind of a game in many ways. We, we lost to Tossum, fun playing against the Breeze. Um, 
but very nervous to talk the first 20 minutes very nervous made a lot of basic elementary mistakes uh, which wasn't like us um, whether that was a result of the last game or whatever um, uh, and we put ourselves in a, in a, in a, in a poor position um, like you can't go 11 points down against a team of calibre player um, and uh, try and claw it back wind or no wind you know yeah, you uh, you had a mountain to climb in the second half. You came back somewhat, got the couple of goals. Could have got another couple of goals, I suppose, if if uh, things went your way as well. But uh, Clare kept tagging on those scores. Yeah, like we we I thought we had a very good quarter leading up to halftime. Uh, won that seven points to three and put ourselves back in the game for halftime, going playing with the breeze, and that was important because the game was certain was was there very much at halftime. Then they got the next two scores straight after the straight after half. Um, we had a few goal chances took 2-1 late on obviously but we had another 2 or 3 that we didn't take and just wrong options poor decisions in, 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 in the final ball so to speak and look uh, these things happened um, disappointing that uh, we didn't have to take a couple more but uh, I suppose look, our pleasing things is A we I think we limited clear to one shot and goal um, which was important given we've conceded a few goals the last, last couple of games so that was important for us but um, at the same time look, you can't you can't take away from the number of scores they got from, from further out the field and um, uh, we didn't do that and we, we as I said poor poor decision poor poor, uh, poor missed scores and um, look bottom line Clare deserved a win where do you go from here? well we've a game in two weeks time this is a four game round robin we've lost control of our own destiny uh, we can only control the next game best we can and um, we got to focus on that uh, certainly um, we've run into a game today we were in control of, of our own destiny as I say but no we're not so that's disappointing good stuff thanks yeah. alright for more on Cork's defeat uh, to Clare joined by our good friend Cork legend Tomás Malachy and Tomás um, we spoke I suppose after the Limerick game about it being a wake up call for Cork today was massively disheartening again yeah Fierce disappointing altogether, to be honest with you, Rory. And um, yeah, be cuck out there again, but I suppose there was even bigger clear there. I must say, and clear kind of smelt a bit of um, bit of blood after their big victory last weekend against against um, Tipperary, and uh, they came out of the blocks just all guns blazing and um, they tore into the game. And it was kind of disappointing for us because we we knew that was going to happen. And like there was one stage in the first half, we were 11 points down. Um, they got 17 points in that first half period and they got 14 adults in play so um, we were a bit disjointed um, we lost possession but the main thing is that we're taking too much ball into contact at a time when we shouldn't be doing it and we should be delivering the ball much quicker we should be getting offloading the ball much quicker we should put putting the ball up into the danger area much quicker but we're still going back to the old habit it's been there since last year of taking the ball into contact and turnovers came, became of it and balls built out and even rocks that were there today every time there was a rock there was a clear man came out with the ball and that's a kind of disappointing part of it and I think maybe at the end the scoreline does slatter Cork Cork okay, were very very good Cork had a 10 minute period in the second half we got it back to 4 points but did we ever look like winning the game no we didn't um, Kieran Kingston cut a very dejected figure in the post-match uh, interview that we just heard there he was kind of lamenting the fact that Cork didn't win the toss they played against the Breeze in the first half and that had a big impact was the Breeze that strong in the first half Tomás? No I don't think it was to be honest with you um, um, it, yeah look when you get 17 points but look one instance in the first half this kind of I was bamboozled with to be honest with you Patrick had missed the free 
but the minute the ball was poked out, it was poked out to Shane O'Donnell, and I don't think there was anybody within 40 yards of Shane O'Donnell. He was on his own in the, mm. in the half-hour line, and he had all the time, all the space in the world, just turned and tapped the ball over the bar, and we just seemed to lose everything, and I, I was delighted, even when the team was picked, the selection, the thought that Joyce was going to be sent to back, um, and I kind of felt this morning, and maybe heard this morning, that um, Millerick was going to go back, wing back, um, Mark Coleman was going to go into midfield that we were going to push Dara Fitzgibbon up into centre forward which I thought would have suited us because of what the opposition have been doing to us in terms of when we get possession we're not half back our half forwards are going back into our half back line to get, to get balls they have a blanket defence right across the middle and we take the ball into contact and I said this might change this might mean we might go a bit longer but we lost so much possession again today and we made so many mistakes and it's Look, it's not Cork hurling, and that's the disappointing thing about it. I think people are mad anxious for, for success, are mad anxious to, to follow this team. There's some serious, serious players there. And uh, it didn't work out again today, and the process is certainly not working, and it's a big disappointment. And we have a lot to do, having to go to Waterford and having to play Tipperary, and it could be out of our hands even at that stage. Mm. Um, we saw Cork against Limerick the puck outs Cork struggled with the puck outs against Limerick they struggled again today Clare certainly had their homework done in that regard and Cork struggled to get anything going from their own puck out yeah and look that is, but that's no different Rory from what has happened last year the opposition have, a, have us stopped on what we're doing right when we go short they push up it's like a, a, a rugby tackle they swarm us they knock possession away when we go that bit long I didn't know what the policy was today I think we were trying to get Darius Gibbon when he was playing at the forward on most of the puck outs we were trying to bring Jack O'Connor out from the corner and it all went down the left-hand side. It was very, very tight. There was one or two balls went out over the line. There was one or two balls mixed, missed when they were to be collected. And there was no ball came down the stand side that I was on in the first half. There was no puck up came down on top of guys over on this side. And it all seemed to go one way and Claire suddenly had the homework done. And even Rory watching the game, the ball that did come out and you'll say, yeah, that's a very good ball in front of the forward. The clearback's reaction was just incredible. Mm. they played from the front played off the cuff didn't give a care about it going in behind them but they trusted themselves to go and play and play for the front and they knocked so many balls that we thought Carcolas were going to get into their hands they got the touch in they got out in front and then drove on forward at that stage and they had big guys then in key positions as well and maybe caught us a little bit aware, unaware in the first half again Robert Downey come back into the back um, maybe to pick up Peter Duggan, they put Peter Duggan centre forward and they put his mom in the front of Robert as well and kind of changed things around and different players went different directions so clear and it looked at times that we were at sixes and sevens, who should we be marking or what position I should be in and before we knew it, we're 11 points down. Mm. It's an awful, awful lot lead to get back in. Even at half time, I was saying, good, we got back to six points, even though we could have been 15 or 16 points down at that stage, <laughs> we got it back to six points the first thing that has to happen then after half time is that we get the first score and we get the second score but we didn't they got the first two scores after half time to push the eight points ahead and you're chasing the game again after that when Ian Galvin was sent off in the second half to Moss Cork were in the ascendancy at that point Ian Galvin gets sent off you think right this is a chance now for Cork because there wasn't much in it at that stage it had the opposite effect in that it seemed to galvanise Clare and G them up it did oh you see the reaction from the Clare players in front when Ian Galvin got sent off, they came together even more as a group, more as a team. The leader, Tony Kelly, had an unbelievable impact in the second half. Shane O'Donnell had an unbelievable impact in that second half. And their leaders 
really came to the forefront. And my God, they looked at times that they had 15 players against Cork mm. 14. They were that dominant. And they pushed on and they pushed on and the clear crowd behind them then went absolutely berserk, which is a great thing to happen when you're, when, when, when you're, in, when you're in the ascendancy and you're pushing on and then you get the scores to back it up as well. And look, we did rally. We had a 10-minute period in the second half when we got it back to four points. Missed one or two chances. Maybe could have got a penalty. I think Alan Connolly was dragged down at one stage inside the square. Maybe could have got a penalty, but over the 75 minutes that were played, they were by far the better team. But I did like Alan Connolly when he came out. He, he gave a, He was a big, big threat mm. above there. He, every time the ball was in, it stuck. He was lively. He was a danger. And um, we need to see more of that. We need to see more of that in front of goal. As you mentioned, Smoss, it is Tipperary and Waterford now to come for Cork in the last two games. What can this Cork management team do in the, that last two games to turn things around? There's only one thing they can do. We have to go to Waterford and win the match. Hmm. Otherwise, the championship is over. Early May, we'll be gone from the All-Ireland Series, which is unheard of in Cork. And um, But that is the challenge. And that is the challenge for the group of players. That is the challenge now for management. And they've got to go back in, whether Tuesday night or tomorrow night, and get themselves ready for Waterford because it's going to be difficult going to watch Park everybody says look everybody's going to fancy Waterford but they got to take it like Tip went down there and nobody gave Tipperary a chance as well and Tip feel themselves they should have won that match and we have to now go with nothing else in our mind but the confidence that we can go down to watch Park and beat Waterford because otherwise it's an early summer for everybody in terms of the players the management but also for the Cockerbury supporters um, it's a big ask but that's what we got to do you know most people out there won't give us a ghost chance against Waterford. And even still, if we beat Waterford, other results go against us. It could be that we're out of the championship. That we're still, that we still won't make it, you know. And Clare have the upper hand. They have two games now at home in Ennis. If they beat Waterford, they're in the driving seat. Limerick play Tipperary. If Limerick play, uh, beat Tipperary next, when the next one they play, that's Tipperary out of the championship as well. So, look, it could be out of our hands even beating Waterford at that stage, but there's only one result that we can get is go down and beat them and see what happens after that. All right, Tomas, we'll leave you there. Thanks for joining us today and safe trip back home. OK, thank you. Cheers. That's uh, Tomas Malkahi, not sounding uh, too happy at all, of course, performance today against Clare in the Munster Senior Hurling Championship. Uh, going to hear from Dennis Hurley of the Echo shortly. First, going to hear from Clare manager Brian Lone. Brian, how are you feeling after that win? I sure um, uh, happy with the uh, with the performance and happy with the win. So um, yeah, no great. Yeah, it was a match really that uh, you were out of the blocks early, got a good lead, and you really meant business right through the match here, just pints after pints. Yeah, look, I suppose um, you know to to get the start like and get that um, uh, get seventeen points on the board like uh, in the first half was uh, a great return for from our um, from our forwards and um, great return for for the team. Yeah, you've got a few ways of playing there. You were getting that ball into the full forward line, into Duggan. You were hitting the points from long range from Tony Kelly. So you you basically were well able to get the scores when you needed them in this match. Yeah, in the first half, I suppose. Yeah, we were able to get those get, get those scores. Like we were working real hard to get you know none of those scores come easy. Like um, working really hard and um, you know tremendous effort from all of the guys uh, all over the field um, and um, 
yeah, great to get um, great to get those seventeen points in the first half. Yeah, second half then David Fitzgerald got one right at the start of the second half. Cork started to come back into it a bit. Then you lost uh, Ian Galvin to a red card. Your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see it. I just spoke to Ian there now, and, and he was saying there was nothing in it. But look, we'll have to see um, the, the the video evidence and see what it's like. So. Um, they, uh, yeah, unfortunate to to, to lose um, Ian to, to to the straight red. Um, like it's it's you know I didn't I didn't see the incident, so I probably should wait until I see it before I comment on it. Um, but um, yeah, I suppose we got ourselves organised again after that, and I think we we got the next three scores, which was a, a good response to the uh, to the red. Yeah, Cork were threatening right true and they did get that late goal but you probably knew that they'd be there or thereabouts right up to the last few minutes yeah look I suppose you know quality team like uh, quality Cork team they're, they've um, uh, some tremendous hurlers um, uh, and they've shown that um, right throughout the year like um, they've been they've been really really good um, so you know they play that game like that possession game that they play they've, they've it almost perfected um, so um, really good to get the result against them are you happy where you are now compared to maybe last year? You know, do you feel you're further on in terms of how you want the players to play? Well, I suppose we've we've we've, we've probably um, developed a bit. Like uh, last year, we lost the tip and we lost the cork, um, and you know, cork was out of, out of the championship. So, you know, this year we've beaten tip and beaten cork. So obviously, there's a, there's a bit of improvement. I suppose you'll you'll have to say maybe a bit of improvement. For from us and maybe um, Cork and Tip are not at the same level that they were last year Um, so look Limerick have a habit of um, um, showing people exactly where they are in the pecking order so we'll see how we get on against against Limerick the next day Nice situation to have uh, two games now in Innes to look forward to really Yes great uh, great for for the lads and great for our supporters as well that um, that, um, we'll be able to welcome Limerick and and Watford up tennis Mm. and uh, like do you feel that there's a good energy about the panel do you feel that things are are going in a really good way for you because we're probably seen by many people as outsiders coming into the Munster Championship but now people are probably reassessing yeah well look I suppose you know there's um, uh, there's a good level of spirit in the group like there's a good good amount of desire there and you know there's a little bit of momentum maybe building with the supporters as well like which is which is all positive and good so um, yeah sure we'll see where we are with um, with Limerick now the next day great stuff right. thanks great stuff Right, for more on Cork's defeat to Clare, uh, joined by our, our good friend Dennis Hurley of The Echo. And Dennis, um, sobering stuff, I think you could uh, describe that Cork performance as today. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was very disappointing, Rory, really, given given that people would have been expecting and hoping for a strong response after the Limerick game, I think. Um, you know, the fact that Cork were outclassed for much of the first half was, was, um, was very... Very disappointing. Um, you know, they they went. There was a period uh, after after Cork went two two points to one ahead. They they conceded fourteen of the next sixteen points, and Clare, you know, were just in control. Then, and even the fact that you know the final scoreline there was only two points between the teams that flattered Cork more than it flattered Clare. Um, you know, it never really looked like there was going to be. Um, now we looked like there was going to be a reaction um, from from Cork even after sending off like Clare Clare got three points in a row to um, to to go eight ahead again and and you know that was that really. 
Um, we were expecting um, a response from Cork, I suppose, after that defeat to Limerick, and there was a lot of talk in the build-up, as, as opposed to the Cork response and how they were going to respond to that. And it didn't happen. Clare didn't leave them, I suppose, play from a very early stage. Yeah, that, that was it. And in fairness to Clare, you know, they were coming off the back of a win over Tip last week, where they had been good, but not perfect. And, you know, Cork might have looked at that and seen, uh, seen a chance, you know, to, to get at Clare. But in fairness to them, Clare set up a bit differently from that game and they made changes, I suppose, that worked. And Cork, Cork kind of made calls that, you know, ended up backfiring to, to an extent, like they were overrunning midfield early on and they had to change things there. And then Alan O'Connell, uh, sorry, Alan Connolly was brought on for Jack O'Connor after 25 minutes and he ended up probably being Cork's best forward along with Patrick Horgan. Um, and it was just a case that, you know, Nothing was was kind of coming off for Cork, and um, you know there'll be very few bright spots to take. Smith um, Conley Conley was one. The full back line was another. You know, um, Cork Cork only gave up one real goal chance, and that was saved um, um, by by Patrick Collins. So you know it, it's it, it's tough to see how how they'll be able to, to pick themselves up um, for the. For the last, um, uh, for, sorry, uh, for the second last match against Waterford. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, just on the game again today. I mean, like when Clare reduced to to fourteen today, you're thinking like Corker kind of in the ascendancy at that point of playing well, not too much in it. But it had the effect of, I suppose, galvanising that Clare team, and Cork didn't know how to handle it. Yeah, yeah, three points in a row, and I think the the last of those three when. Ryan Taylor and David Fitzgerald, they chased Dara Fitzgibbon backwards and then forced a turnover. And, you know, Taylor put the ball over the bar. And, you know, it was just kind of summed up the game, really, that Clare were just uh, playing at a, at a higher intensity and they were, they were just uh, more on song than Cork were. Um, and you just kind of knew at that stage that, uh, that, that that was going to be that. We'd heard from Kieran Kingston there. He sounded like a broken man after that game. How does he turn things around now? Um, for that game against Waterford, uh, two big games coming up could still be out of Cork's hands, I suppose. But look, have to focus on the Waterford game and getting a win there. But what can Cork do in the meantime? Yeah, well, I suppose that's, that's the question now. Um, I suppose they just have to go back to basics, really, and, and just <coughs> hope that they can, um, you know, work on putting in a performance. And, and even if they do play well, that's no guarantee that they'll beat Waterford. You know. Waterford are probably the second best team in the country at the moment and they'll be looking to secure qualification too so you know it could even be the case that you'd be Waterford and then be tip and that mightn't be enough so it's um, it's it's tough times definitely for the team and management but I suppose they, they just have to trust themselves and back themselves that they can come up with, with some kind of a, of a response in two weeks time down in Waterford Yeah they're certainly under pressure then aren't they? Sorry Rory? They're, they're certainly under pressure this management team now after today's uh, defeat Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, it could be the case, like that, if Cork don't be Waterford, that they're going to Tipperary for the last match with both teams after losing three games, and um, <laughs> you know it would just be a real, um, a real kind of a dead rubber. Um, but you know, hopefully it won't come to that. But um, it's it's definitely a big big challenge for Cork to try to turn things around. Fingers crossed that they do. All right, Dennis, thanks for joining us today. Safe trip home.
Okay, thanks, Rory. Stella Hurley there of the Echo speaking to us after our Cork's speech. Clever, let us know your thoughts on it. Give us a text 086 8104 here. A little bit more from Kieran Kingston. Very nervous, made very some elementary mistakes. Um, and that was disappointing because you give a team the calibre of Clare, we saw how good they were last week, you give a team the calibre of Clare that lead and try and walk it back. You're always struggling, give yourself an uphill battle, and um, I think that's the way it turned out today. Um, we had a good run to come up to half time next that quarter, seven points to three, um, and put ourselves in a position at half time that maybe yeah, we could get something out of this. But then um, you had the first two scores after half time, and then you didn't tell you, you know that yourselves. And um, again, you're, fight, you're fighting again for the rest of the half. But look, uh, I have to hold our hands up. Um, on the day, we were beaten by a better team, no question about that. Uh, they clearly deserved their win, and I'm going to make any excuses for that. Uh, on the day, they were a better team, and uh, they deserved a win. I know we got it back to two points in the end, but that really was, uh, and maybe we got another minute or two, might have another one, but we had a few chances. Uh, for us, the positives, I think we, we kept at it. Um, we kept going, we kept fighting hard, um, couldn't break it down. Um, we limited them to one shot and go, one shot and goal, I think, for the whole game. Uh, but look, they got a lot of long range, long range scores, and, um, and uh, ran out deserving winners. Crucially, just after Ian Galvin was sent off, Clare got the next three points. That was a huge momentum swing. Yeah, but look, that, that wasn't the win you're losing in the game, you know. Um, I think that the first 20 minutes we lost the game. Yeah. Do you think the, the conference players suffered, Kieran, from the Waterford and Limerick games? Yeah, look, I mean, if you get, you get an All-Ireland final, we did, okay, a year ago, there wasn't uh, any expectation around the group. Um, and this time you get an All-Ireland final, uh, then you, you, um, you lose it, obviously. And then you have a good league campaign, you get another final. I think expectation then starts to increase um, amongst uh, everyone, and that's understandable. And with that then comes plaudits when you win and more criticism when you lose. And that goes with the territory, we all know that, right? And he knows because you're writing it, uh, or getting people to write it, so he know that well. Um, and I think that uh, after the Limerick game and all that's happened in the last two weeks, and uh, obviously what's been said by different people has affected players as well a bit, of course, understand that, right? And people are obviously everybody's entitled to their opinions. Um, but I thought we showed a bit of nervousness on the back of that, I think, certainly in the first 20 minutes, we definitely showed a bit of nervousness. Um, and it, it reflected in the scoring, like 14 points to, I think, 14 3, it was it, uh, I think we were 11 points down at that stage. Um, which about 12 or 14 minutes to go in the first half so uh, you would get, I don't know if it was a win but it wasn't that much of a win um, and, and as I said that was uh, that was obviously going to be challenging you know? um, Alan Connolly I suppose one of the, the bright spots the full back time played well as well so like, some small bits to take from it Oh, yeah, look, we have to look. I mean, at the end of the day, we we've been criticised, as you know, for as you all know, for um, um, conceding too many goals in the last the, la- the last last few games. Um, today was a, obviously a, a bonus that, um, as I said, they one shot and goal, but then you can't concede that many points from the field and as, as a, in, in compens- compensate for it. So um, Alan did well, did very well when he came in, and he's a young lad just out of under twenties, had a bad injury early on in the year, and he, he's he's recovered well from that, and he, he's um, he showed it today. And how hard will it be to pick lads up now? for Walsh Park? Yeah, it is. Look, as I say, we can only control what's in front of us. We can't change what happened today or what happened the last day. Um, we've lost control of our own destiny. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, players are representing Cork in two weeks' time in Boulogne and Welsh Park, and that's a, that's a big game. It's a four-game four round robin, and uh, we expect that they represent that jersey in... Um, in a proper manner when we go to Welsh Park irrespective of what happens elsewhere as I said we can't control that we can only control what's going on in, in, uh, in, in that game in two weeks time and as best as we can 
That is a big game now for Cork in two weeks on Watch Park. That was that Karen Kingston uh, speaking uh, to the Assembled Media after today's um, disappointing defeat to Clare. There's no other way to describe it. It was massively, massively disappointing. Two defeats now for Cork and two very tough games uh, coming up uh, against Waterford and Tipperary. Yeah, massively, massively disappointing. But look, the Rebels move on and back in action in two weeks and hopefully they can pick themselves back up after that. Going to take a quick break. We are going to talk Katie Taylor in just a bit. Going to hear from Katie herself and we're going to hear from uh, two journalists who were at Madison Square Garden last night, Gavin Casey with the 42.e and John Reardon of the Irish Examiner. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM. Rory here with you on the bench until 7pm. Time to talk about one of the most amazing, amazing sporting events I think I've ever seen. One of the most amazing performances by an Irish athlete I think I've ever seen. And just generally one of the most incredible nights at Madison Square Garden that it has ever seen in its storied history. Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano, putting on a fight for the ages last night it was sensational absolutely sensational I loved every single second of it maybe not the fifth when it looked like Serrano was going to stop Taylor but the fact that Taylor survived that onslaught and came back and fought the way she did dug deep got that victory against Amanda Serrano who is a tough cookie we saw that last night it was sensational sensational I had Taylor winning by four on my scorecard split decision last night one for Serrano two for Taylor one judge had it by four one judge had it by two it was um, it was brilliant it was absolutely brilliant and I'm delighted I set my alarm to get up and watch it um, in the early hours of this morning the only problem was couldn't get back to sleep afterwards wide awake pumping full of adrenaline it was just it was amazing I'm Beaming here talking about it. Um, I'm a massive boxing fan, as uh, regular listeners of the show will know. So it's, uh, for Taylor Twin last night, it was just it was sensational. And look, to talk rematching Crow Park down the line, September direction. How incredible would that be? How absolutely incredible would that be? Going to hear from Gavin Casey of the Fortune, John Reardon of the Irish Examiner shortly. Uh, first, uh, going to hear a little bit from Katie in last night's uh, press conference uh, talking about the win and the possibility of the rematch with Serrano and Dublin. Defining performance tonight. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the most important thing is always to come out uh, as a winner, regardless of uh, how uh, you know I, I performed uh, well or not. But yeah, tonight was uh, just fantastic. I had to dig deep in there tonight. <laughs> I had to produce a career defined uh, performance to actually win tonight. And um, what an amazing champion Amanda is as well. Um, a phenomenal fighter, and uh, we definitely um, we definitely got the best out of each other tonight. That's for sure. Um, but you know, everyone was talking about going into this fight. It was, it was the biggest fight in women's boxing history. But I think it actually exceeded everything that was, uh, that people were talking about this week. And um, yeah, just even walking out to the ring, uh, walking out to the ring today, just looking at the packed stadium, um, unbelievable. So this is it was absolutely special, special moments. The the best night in my career for for sure. Uh, I, I wasn't uh, sure if anything could have, could um, reach my Olympic gold medal moment, but t- 
tonight was absolutely the best moment of my career. Wow. Yeah. So, um, all, yeah, definitely. Give it up. All three judges had you winning the final three rounds to pull out the victory. Did you sense that you needed those three rounds to win this? Uh, yeah, I came back and uh, I guess that's what was my corner was saying. I needed, I needed the championship rounds and uh, I did what I had to do. I showed that the champion's heart in there as I always do. Um, I think uh, time and time again, time and time again, I always show that that, that champion's heart when I need to. And, I dug deep when I needed to tonight. I was in the trenches again tonight, and um, uh, those are the, those are career-defining moments for sure. Yeah, thank Katie, you. Sean Brown here. Congrats. <laughs> Already, the Serrano team are here. They're only gone about ten minutes, and they're more or less said they'd come to Dublin for the return. Yeah. Eddie, <laughs> what do you think? They all agreed they would co prepare to come to Dublin. Will you give a return? Fight. Me? Well, you're the last. Katie give her return. <laughs> yeah. Will you Katie? I mean, yeah. I think, talk about the rematch first. Yeah. If it was a fight you'd be interested in, and I'll talk about Ireland. Absolutely. Um, we, we all want to see the best yeah. versus the best. And, um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, a rematch would be absolutely phenomenal. And if it was in Dublin, we could sell out Crow Park, I would say 90,000 people. <laughs> Um, so that will be unbelievable. We we see something special here tonight. I've been flying in front of eighty or ninety thousand people in Crow Park. Um, absolutely, that that can happen. Good. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, were you organising Eddie? Yeah. Cool. So I hope so. She's still, he is my daughter. Yeah. She still let me, unless you know something I don't. I don't know. But um, fifty years ago, Muhammad Ali fought. Park. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, look, that felt like Croke Park tonight. I mean, it was just incredible. And uh, I'm not sure we'll get as many travelling Puerto Ricans, um, but, you know, it, it would always, and it has always been on our minds and would feel a big shame if she didn't get a chance to fight in Ireland, you know, during her career. So um, if we could do that, you know, and, and back end of the summer, I said, there's, you know, it was a, a tough fight, she's going to need some rest. Not too much rest knowing Katie, but <laughs> certainly certainly on the mind of us all. Uh, just for Katie, ask her, where did she find the, the strength or the character or whatever it was to come back after uh, after round five when you did ship probably more punishment in that round than maybe in your entire career? Uh, did I come back? Yeah, like where did you get the courage and, and the strength to come back? Um, I think the courage and the strength uh, comes back in those moments just purely from the hard work that I actually put in and training camp over the last few months. It's in those moments uh, that the hard work pays off in training. I don't just show courage and offline night, I show courage every single day training, day after day after day, in hard spars, um, week after week. And um, and that's exactly why you train hard for, the, for those uh, moments when you actually are in the trenches. Right, for more on Katie Taylor, uh, we go live now to New York City. Our man, Gavin Casey, uh, is there. Um, Gavin, um, there are so many things I want to touch on in this fight, but just we, Taylor's performance is the main thing. And how she dug that out after that fifth round is the stuff of legend. That is one of the most incredible boxing performances I have ever seen. Yeah, I'd actually share that sentiment completely, Rory. There are times with Katie Taylor where maybe we just presume her to be great. And because she's been winning for so long, for the most part, because of how she conducts herself outside of the ring, 
because of the adulation she receives not only in Ireland now, but in the UK and in America. She is the picture of greatness. But actually, last night was the greatest illustration of what makes her so special purely as an athlete. And the fact that she was able to dig it out after digging herself a hole to begin with in standing and trading with Amanda Serrano in the fifth round, getting caught badly, uh, almost being bereaved of her wits a couple of times with the power of Serrano's punches and the relentlessness of Serrano's shots, just absolutely otherworldly to be able to wrestle back control of that fight down the stretch uh, sufficiently to win it as well. And we asked her afterwards at the press conference how she actually did it. Like, w w where does this courage, this spirit come from that would allow you to be able to... <laughs> produce something almost alien out of a really tired body in that moment and she just pointed back to training like to a, to a degree it's a boring answer but it, it's the truth as far as she sees it she says like she doesn't just show courage on the saturday nights that we see her every few months it's the weeks upon weeks of training sessions getting up in the morning sparring etc and she looked tremendously conditioned mm -hmm. last night is one thing I would say. And it's actually, even though she always, say, aesthetically looks quite strong and is always in good nick, there have been fights in the past where we were, she has gas down the stretch, particularly you think of those Pursuant fights where Pursuant was just pressuring her relentlessly. Uh, even against Natasha Jonas, she probably wilted a little bit um, under a bit of fire. It was the opposite last night, mm. and it just was a testament to the preparation she had put into what was the biggest fight of her professional career and indeed her amateur career, as she said afterwards. Mm. Split decision. Um, I had Taylor winning by four. Um, if you were listening to the commentary on the zone, you would have given every round to Serrano, who was that biased. How did you score it? Yeah, I had Taylor winning six rounds to four, but I would have agreed with the judge who gave round five to Serrano 10-8. Yeah. I thought she was sufficiently dominant there to, to get essentially the same score as you would if you had knocked your opponent down, just purely because it was so one-sided. A judge would be well within his or her rights to score to 10-8. So I think that brings me to 95-94 in Taylor's favour, which is literally obviously the narrowest it could possibly be. But... I also, th I also think she was a conclusive winner insofar as I don't think there was an argument to be made for Serrano winning the fight. Uh, I wasn't tuned into DAZN. I, I have to say <laughs> I find their commentary at times absolutely disastrous. And it's probably something they, they need to address if they're going to be using boxing, uh, boxing as a vehicle with which to uh, gay crash the, the major yeah. sports channels of the world. But... Uh, everybody I spoke to at ringside, now I was surrounded mostly by Irish media in our role, but even speaking to some American colleagues, some British colleagues, uh, a few of whom had different vantage points around the ring, uh, the vast majority of them thought that Taylor won it. It certainly wasn't actually a controversial decision, and even no. Amanda Serrano herself and her trainer manager, Jordan Maldonado, afterwards were very magnanimous. Uh, they didn't really kick up a fuss. Like You could see they realized it was close, but... I tell you one thing, if Jordan Maldonado and Amanda Serrano aren't whinging afterwards, then you know the result wasn't really um, especially contentious. And in the end, like you look at that 10th round, which Taylor wins, her knees dip in an exchange there. Now, I was 
trying to figure out was she actually hit by a shot or was she just off balance because she was swinging so wildly herself for the fences towards the bell but if her knee touches the canvas there it would have been scored a knockdown and you probably are looking at a draw if my maths are correct so the finest of margins it was Declan Taylor and other boxing journalists pointed that out on Twitter about two inches from a draw but in the end I thought the right winner was was picked by the two judges anyway um, Amanda Serrano I think won a lot of fans over in Ireland for her post-match comments about Kelly Taylor and about the fight the fact that she didn't kick up a fuss as you mentioned and she put out a very classy tweet as well so she's definitely uh, won a lot of supporters on this side of the, of the world after last night's fight Yeah she definitely has she, she has conducted herself with nothing but class in the lead up and probably maybe I was guilty of having a bit of a preconception of her based on a few dealings in the past where like I would have spoken to her on Twitter, had arguments with her about <laughs> a bit of a shady association with, with uh, well, sorry, her trainer's shady association with a steroid ring back in 2007. Yeah. Now Serrano herself was uh, implicated in that, but never charged. She was only 19 at the time. And I remember having an argument with who I thought was Amanda Serrano about the drug testing that would be required in order for her to fight Katie Taylor. And yeah. she was saying, oh, I've no problem doing that, etc." Now, it turns out it's Jordan Maldonado, her trainer manager, who actually runs her Twitter account, and yeah. Serrano doesn't even have a phone. So maybe the person I had a gripe with before and was actually <laughs> Maldonado, and I wouldn't have been alone in that, you know, because you look at the way uh, Serrano dealt with defeat last night, but really everything in the lead-up as well. And as much as he would have liked to have seen maybe a little bit of needle between them, maybe given the stature of this event and what mm. it meant for women's sport globally, uh, it was nice to see a fight sell 19,000-plus tickets at Madison Square Garden. First time ever women have headlined at that legendary uh, venue without having to necessarily be at each other's throats or doing anything cheap in order to promote it. And um, yeah, I, I, I thought she uh, fought incredibly well as well. It should be pointed out. Mm -hmm. Like there would have been a time a couple of years ago where I would have had doubts as to whether she had the quality to actually trouble Katie Taylor. Now, I, I would argue that in the intervening years, Taylor has slid ever so slightly athletically. She's 35 years old. She's been boxing competitively for more than two decades. She's a clean athlete. It's only natural that you're going to slow down a fraction, and that probably leveled the playing field a little bit last night, but that's to take nothing away from Serrano's performance. She is a vicious woman, yeah. and as you say, conducted herself with class before and afterwards. Now, all the talk is a rematch potentially in Croke Park, potentially in September. Eddie Hearn was not non-committal, it just wasn't getting into it an awful lot last night. But it would be absolutely massive for the sport in this country and for Kelly Taylor herself to headline in Croke Park in September. It's the only way you top last night, really, isn't it? Mm, yeah. In all seriousness. Like, if you headlined at MSG, the place is pretty much full. The atmosphere was probably the best sporting atmosphere I've ever experienced firsthand. Certainly the best boxing atmosphere, even compared to Anthony Joshua against Andy Ruiz in the same building in 2019. This beat it. Uh, I was speaking to a few American journalists who maintained that it was the best event they'd ever covered. And they were, they were a little bit longer in the tooth than me. So the only way to build upon that or, or take it to the next level would be to put on a homecoming for Katie Taylor that she has desperately wanted for several years that has been prohibited by professional boxing's yeah. inextricable links to Daniel Kinahan and to the management group that he co-founded MTK Global 
the situation really was that as much as Eddie Hearn and Brian Peters and Taylor herself actually wanted to put on a show, they were advised against it Mm -hmm. purely based on the climate in Dublin uh, ever since the Regency shooting in 2016. That feels like it has changed. Like At least the picture has changed in theory. And it's been interesting to note that it's been Hearn himself who has initiated a lot of the conversation about going to Dublin at least and, and maybe Croke Park during the week. Now, He's a good man for acquiescing uh, at the best of times. If you <laughs> ask him about potential homecomings, the line is always that, oh, it would be so disappointing if we didn't get the chance to do it. But it's been him bringing it up. And I do get the impression that it the door is slightly ajar now, where, whereas it's been firmly shut for the last four or five years. So I, I actually am beginning to see it as a realistic prospect. The only thing is... You probably need to go August, September at the latest roar, don't you? Just with Irish weather. (laughs) And if you look at the toll that last night would have taken not only on Taylor, but Serrano herself, uh, I'm thinking if if they wanted to do a rematch, I would have made the argument they probably need more than, you know, you're looking at two and a half months off, then camp, then a fight. Uh, I'd be, I'd be letting those uh, women sit it out for another four or five months, <laughs> and maybe even exploring it next spring or summer. You know, but yeah, I'd say it's firmly on the cards, all right. Which is a, an amazing twist, really. Mm-hmm. I, I never thought I'd see the day, but uh, it's tentatively in the works. I'd imagine. Fingers crossed it comes to fruition. Gavin, uh, thanks so much for talking to us, buddy. You can read Gavin in the forty-two.ie, well worth reading as well. Uh, Gavin, thanks for talking to us. Safe trip home. Legend. Cheers, Rob. You are the legend, Gavin. Uh, thanks very much for talking to us on the Big Red Bench this evening. What a night that would be in Croke Park. Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano. 80,000 people. How incredible would that be? I'm getting excited thinking about it at the moment. However, Gavin, as he quite rightly mentioned, uh, those two fighters are going to need a break after last night's performance. Um, quite a lengthy one as well because it would have taken every single last of everything out of them last night uh, and then they've got to recover and then they've got to go back into camp and then you're really looking September, mid-September late September that's four and a half months away It's and Irish weather's not guaranteed at the best times let alone in September uh, and an outdoor venue like Croke Park it would be a huge risk um, putting on a boxing show then so maybe you hold you keep your powder dry until springtime maybe 12 months time um, but I think if it happened in September it would be absolutely absolutely incredible but last night's performance by Katie Taylor was one of the best performances I have ever seen from not just an Irish athlete any athlete I've ever seen she was absolutely incredible and deserved the victory um, Gavin had her winning I had her winning by four um, as I mentioned the commentary on DAZN last night um, it was 7.99 to buy the fight last night on DAZN uh, and the commentary was so anti-Taylor and so pro Serrano last night it was massively off-putting Jessica McCaskill was on co-commentary and of course Kenny Taylor's beaten her and you could almost sense the bitterness in the commentary McCaskill just not giving Taylor any credit um, Serrano could throw two or three punches that would hit Taylor's gloves or her arms or, or nothing and McCaskill is screaming that oh yeah it's big big shots there from Serrano and they weren't and Taylor was just picking off her shots expertly it was beautiful to watch um, and the commentary if you were to listen to them you would think that Taylor was going to lose uh, every round um, one of the um, the commentators uh, uh, on the zone had put a scorecard up and he had Serrano up five rounds to one after six rounds and it was never the case never the case 
I had a, I had a three piece at that stage. It was just fascinating to, to, to listen to that and to listen to the boys. And then it's funny, after the sixth round, I'm not sure if they got a, a word from a producer or did they know themselves, but they started becoming a lot more um, balanced in their commentary. In fact, even a little bit more pro-Taylor. Uh, but the, the commentary was hard to listen to, I have to say, last night. But uh, for more on the fight, uh, Cullum uh, was talking to uh, John Reardon of the Irish Examiner. New York resident was in uh, Madison Square Garden last night um, to witness history. And this is Cullum's chat with John. So what a night in Madison Square Garden last night. The, the biggest women's boxing match possibly of all time and the first time a women's boxing match ever headlined in the famous venue Madison Square Garden and it was of course headlined by our very own Katie Taylor the reigning champ uh, against a very formidable opponent in Amanda Serrano and uh, Katie Taylor did come out on top in the end after a really really great battle in the early hours of this morning and uh, a man who who's a good friend of mine and I'm very jealous of I was looking at his Instagram stories this morning when I woke up was there in Madison Square Garden last night uh, reporting on it for the Irish Examiner and just sampling the whole atmosphere and things it is John Reardon and he joins us now John amazing just to be there I reckon yeah it was an incredible night you know you, obviously you, you try to be impartial but that was absolutely impossible um, incredible win for Katie Taylor of course and um, you know from a fighting point of view how she survived the fifth round we'll never know um, but yeah, the, the atmosphere overall was just stunning and just happy for her, happy for her team, happy for boxing, happy for the people who kind of stepped up from all angles. You know, there wasn't an ounce of cynicism all week. You know, this they really wanted to, to elevate, you know, women's boxing and, and boxing as a whole. And they, they achieved that and then some. It was it was good to have such a positive event for boxing because the last couple of weeks have been shrouded in controversy for boxing, really, I suppose, with the, the whole um, MTK and Daniel Kinahan stuff and things. But obviously, that's no connection to the, the Katie Taylor stuff. But it was nice to have a have a positive boxing story to talk about, I suppose, for a change, certainly in an Irish aspect as well. And it might pave the way for Katie Taylor to come back to Ireland now and to fight in Ireland because I saw Eddie Hearn, who's her promoter, was saying after the, after the fight last night that he'd love to get Katie Taylor back to Ireland for a headline uh, fight and possibly a rematch against Amanda Serrano in Croke Park uh, maybe towards the end of the year. Like That would be amazing, wouldn't it? It would be amazing. The MTK stuff was definitely a little bit of a shadow. You can't avoid it. But the way things have moved so quickly in the last two weeks, it makes the Dublin rematch all the more possible. Um, and I know, you know, obviously you want to focus on on the Taylor win. Um, but it, it just is, you know... Um, just more likely. Um, mm. They were talking about rematch Thursday and Friday already. Yeah. And last night, based on based how on how exciting the fight was, how much they left it all out there. Um, you know, the tenth round. Why did Why did Katie Taylor get involved? And she pretty much admitted afterwards that she just wanted to prove to people that she could do it. You know, she obviously knows from a tactical point of view. She she maybe shouldn't have engaged as much as she did, and and just try and see it out. Um, at that point, I and a few others had her ahead. I, I know not everyone had her mm. ahead, but I think she was ahead and she didn't really need to brawl like she did, but she mm. couldn't help herself. And she she just obviously responded to almost 20,000 people just enjoying themselves and enjoying the fight. And that's how it all transpired. So it really kind of set the table for uh, you know a second fight, a rematch. And I, you know without knowing the ins and outs of of the the i guess the political side of things back home 
Um, I feel like a Dublin rematch is slightly favoured now ahead of another New York bout. And I think, as you said, the way things have developed with the MTK story and, and the, the US government sanctions and things over the past few weeks, that, that becomes all the more possible now to, to possibly host a big boxing event in Ireland that hasn't been possible uh, for the last number of years. But uh, just to talk about last night's fight, John, um, I mean, she kind of came back from the brink of defeat, really, I suppose, to maintain her record. Uh, and it was a hard-fought points victory last night. Um, she kind of... She looked to be in a bit of trouble through some of the middle rounds, but she definitely recovered yeah. towards maybe the seventh or eighth round and and really, really kind of rallied then after that, didn't she? Yeah, just trying to reflect now today, um, I think Serrano just went out there with absolutely nothing to lose. She was in her best spirits pre-fight compared to like all week. She was a little bit kind of, not grumpy, but she just didn't want to be there all week, which I don't blame her. And she was just happy out of the ring couldn't wait for that first bell. Matt Taylor, like a storm, even before that fifth round was extremely tough. The the third round, the, the referee, Serrano, they didn't hear the bell go. Such was the noise. And I think it was actually <laughs> the Irish noise that was creating that, creating that um, uh, ruckus. And uh, Serrano was just so keyed in. And, and Taylor basically had to tell them both. I was like, I think the round is over here, guys. Can we stop? <laughs> So it was just it was just so intense, but you know the good conditioning of Katie Taylor ensured that she was able to kind of as soon as she survived round five, um, she was able to now have a, a little bit in reserve to kind of uh, tactically get back onto left terms um, while Serrano was tired naturally, mm-hmm. um, and you know I think I think six definitely seven eight Taylor was able to kind of outmatch her. And then it was all to play for. I think Taylor said after the um, at the press conference last night that her corner told her, you need to go for it now, 8, 9, 10. Just go for it because we need to make sure of the win. But I think I just had her ahead. And uh, uh, it just it mystified me that she uh, really went for it in round 10. I think she risked it there, but she couldn't help herself. She couldn't help herself. No, I think that's just in her natural psyche, isn't it? Yeah. And look, I will never understand her natural psyche. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, and I'm sure most don't, but she is very self-aware of it. And uh, this is why, you know, I, I don't need, need to go over old ground. But since she was a, a, a preteen, she's been doing it on her terms. And she's been pushing people aside um, that she felt was were in her way. So, um, you know, I'm not going to say that she was wrong in what she did. But it, it was just, you know, watching from, from the side of the ring or just back from the side of the ring, you were like why is this happening please please don't blow it all now but anyway she survived it and it was uh, the the right result in the end I don't care what anyone says absolutely and a great result and it sets it up now hopefully for for maybe a rematch later on in the year towards the end of the year and if we had it in Ireland it would be absolutely fantastic uh, you mentioned a great Irish support there last night I think it was over 19,000 people was it was it majority Katie Taylor support John? It's probably half and half, mm. maybe just about majority Irish, because you know, according to Matchroom, obviously they were they were tracking the ticket sales, and they reckon five, maybe six thousand travelled over from Ireland. Um, you know, taking that at face value, and obviously you've got a sizable uh, Irish expat in New York, expat community in New York. But the Puerto Ricans love their boxing, um, so they were out in force. They were not going to leave uh, their hero hanging either. So. Slightly half and half, maybe a little bit more Irish based on 
uh, the ole ole chants, which I know is very scientific. <laughs> well, it gives a good indication of nothing else anyway, absolutely. Um, and like, I mean, there's not much left for Katie Taylor to achieve really, is there? Um, I mean, like, she's not going to get a whole lot bigger than what happened last night. Her headlining Madison Square Garden, probably the only way to top that would be, as we said, a headline fight in Crow Park, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And that would be a, that would be a sellout. Um, it would be an absolutely incredible occasion. And um, and Serrano is well up for it, and her crew obviously are as well. Um, so it's it seems to me a no brainer. Maybe I'm just still caught up in the drama of last night, um, but everyone is up for it. So I guess it now needs to be figured out, both from a financial basis, but also um, the other kind of um, the other issues yeah. that are around <laughs> Irish boxing. All right, John, listen, thanks a million for chatting to us. Uh, I reckon you've got a, a lot of work still to do for the Irish Examiner, finding a few more reports on the fight and so on. So we'll leave you get back to it. But uh, thanks for joining us on the show tonight. Thanks, Colin. Yeah, great to hear our good pal John Reardon there speaking about uh, one of the best moments in Irish sporting history last night, and that is Taylor's victory over Stranham. Fingers crossed we get that rematch in Croke Park. But that is it from us for tonight. Thank you very much indeed for listening to The Big Red Bench. We'll be back next Saturday and Sunday from 6. Big weekend, of course, for Cork next week. Cork and Kerry next Saturday evening. Should be a very, very interesting battle down in Porky Rin. If you missed any of the show, our podcast is available on redfm.ie or from wherever you get your podcasts from. Enjoy the rest of your bank holiday Sunday evening, folks. Max Blackburn is up next. Three hours of the best Irish music coming your way on Green on Red. Enjoy your Sunday night, folks. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM.